You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to a special edition of the Mile High Report Radio, MHR Radio podcast. It's the Double Bacon, Double Bronco edition. That you usually have to pay double for. You do usually have to pay double for that. It's a it's a Mile High Report Hall of Fame double dip, which is um, unprecedented in, in uh, Broncos history, Ian, for the first time. Uh, in the history of the Hall of Fame, you will see two Denver Broncos enshrined in Canton at the same time. Uh, so it's a it's a celebration. We're having a celebration here. And I'm totally celebrating. I got my Broncos shirt on. I got my Broncos Zubas pants on to the chagrin of my wife. I don't know what she's so chagrinning about. Chagrinning. She just doesn't chagrin. like the she, – she doesn't, she doesn't know greatness when she sees it, and that is Zubas pants. I, I mean – all other pants pale in comparison to Zuba pants, especially Denver Broncos Zuba pants. I'm just, they just do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm rocking them because this is a special day. And it really is a special day for, for Pat Boland to get inducted finally. I mean, as I wrote in the story, announcing it to the, to the community on the site, for near 35 years, he made sure it was never about him despite the fact he wore those pimp fur coats and those aviator glasses. What a look. He still tried to be in the shadows, and he was successful at it. It was never about him. He never wanted it to be about him. And in the pinnacle moment for this franchise, for everyone listening to this podcast, for those who were old enough to experience it, he again didn't make it about him. Because the first thing he said was, this one's for John. And now, 35 years near two, after he bought the organization from Edgar Kaiser for $78 million, it's finally about him. And he deserves it. His family deserves it. To see, to see the reaction from his family, to get that knock on the door, was, if you didn't get tears in your eyes in that moment, I'd, you're probably a Chiefs fan. Still looking for a Lamar Hunt trophy somewhere. Which they'll never find. But, I mean, that was a special moment. And then for Champ Bailey to get the recognition that we both felt he should deserve. Because on the last podcast, I I was completely jaded. Yeah, I was jaded and hesitant. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought they were going to give it to Ty Law. And they gave it to both of them. And I'm... I'm glad they didn't have to pick one or the other. I think they're both deserving. I think Champ, for obvious reasons, is more deserving. But think about this. He is the first defensive player in the history of the Denver Broncos to get a bust in Canton on an organization that had the Orange Crush defense, that had a defense that helped an organization get to three Super Bowls in four years, had a defense that won back-to-back Super Bowls 
And Champ Bailey is the first defensive player from the Denver Broncos to go into Canton, Ohio. It, I mean, that that's special. And I, it, it, there's also a, a 180 you can go on that and say, sure. what the hell? You could, but, you could, but we're not going to today, right? We'll we'll, we'll save no. that. We'll, this is this this is the double bacon, double Broncos, double edition. bacon, double Bronco, right? And and usually you do have to pay double, like you said. And we're not going to charge we're not going to charge anything. We're going to plop it out there and expect Ooh, it to perform. Look at that. That was that was quick. That was I didn't know we were going to get to that today. That was that's exciting. We we did. We're going to plop it out there right now, which is which is fantastic. So, um, let's you know what? Let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about about um, just what it means for Champ Bailey. At, uh, you, you do a great job breaking down Pat Bowlen. I, I think it's fantastic, and you've always been um, one of the leaders of uh, the sort of the, the push for Pat Bowlen to get into the Hall of Fame and reminding people of his greatness and the things that he's done. And, and I find it interesting that part of the reason other people have to do that is exactly for the reason that you said. He didn't ever put himself out in front. He was always the one um, sort of – Yes, he would, like you said, he looked the part, right? But he would stand there almost in silence um, and just allow everybody else's greatness to shine, knowing that he's the one who was, he's the one who put it all together. He was the one who uh, made the Broncos what they are, but not just the Broncos. And you've talked about this uh, a lot as well. The TV deals that the NFL has secured with Fox and CBS and NBC and all those things, those TV deals were orchestrated primarily by Pat Bolin. The way you watch the NFL today is in thanks to Pat Bolin. So, like I said, you've done a lot with that as far as putting that information out there and making it known uh, who Pat Bolin is and what he's done for the league. But I, I think it'd be interesting right now to talk about Champ Bailey's impact on the Denver Broncos because. Obviously, everybody listening to this uh, this podcast knows who Champ Bailey was for the team and who he is and, and that kind of thing. But is is there a way you can sort of summarize uh, his greatness for the team, for the city, for the you know for the organization, and for all of Broncos country? Is there something that stands out to you? It's what we use to describe Steve Atwater. You can still feel his presence because of how great Champ Bailey was. And you see that by the way Chris Harris Jr. plays. Chris Harris Jr. carries on what Champ Bailey meant and brought to the Denver Broncos. And I think that says everything. And you'll hear a lot of people say this, and I said it about Steve Atwater. And it was it was told to me by Jim Sakamano, the lot the longtime uh, public relations guru and now a consultant historian. And he made a great point and he told a story about Willie Mays and, and someone asked Willie Mays, how do you make those catches? How do you do what you do defensively? And Mays' response was, they hit him, I catch him. And that's what Champ Bailey did. I heard an interview with my wife on the, our way to get dinner this evening on Orange and Blue 760. Jeb puts here was talking to Andy Lindell. And it and it he he mentioned the same thing. That Champ Bailey made it look effortless. He made it look easy. That's how good he was. 
And as someone who covered Champ Bailey, and I covered Champ Bailey for, for two seasons, everything he does is effortless. He makes it look so easy. That's not to say that he doesn't bust his ass to be as good as he is, because he did. But everything he did, he made it look effortless. The way he talks, the way he presents himself, the way he played the cornerback position. And you see that with the Denver Broncos. It's it's something that gets passed on with those teams in the 80s to the teams in the 90s with Steve Atwater. Because if you'll remember in the 80s, it was Dennis Smith who passed it on to Steve Atwater. And then Steve Atwater passes it on. And it continues throughout the history of the Denver Broncos. But there's one common theme in all that, and that's Pat Bowen. And the two of them going in together is what makes it so special. But to, to get back to Champ Bailey, it's amazing how the history of the cornerback position, the last 25 years, it's basically two people. Deion Sanders, Champ Bailey. That's it. Those are the two guys. When you think of the cornerback position, those are the two guys. That's a that's high praise. I mean, to compare him to to Dion, and I know it's not a comparison so much as it is they're in the same conversation. And to me, that's that's how you sort of can measure him. As you can say, if you take Champ Bailey and you and you just put him up against any era, any any group of cornerbacks, uh, you know, any specific player. He, he holds up, right? That's kind of the, the point there. Uh, you, you want to talk about Dion? He, he holds up with Dion. You want to talk about Nitrain? He holds up with Nitrain. You know what I'm saying? So the, there isn't a single cornerback that has played the game that you couldn't say Champ Bailey is as good as or is at least in the conversation with. And to me, that's, that's what makes him the Hall of Famer that he is. And the other thing is, the, the thing that stands out to me was I, I cannot – in my mind, picture him missing a tackle. And as a cornerback, one of the things that when you talk about cornerbacks, some of them, Dion, didn't really like to tackle, didn't didn't stick their nose in there. And Champ Bailey, to me, was always willing to go make the tackle, right? And I think you see that, like you said, I think you see that with Chris Harris Jr., who is another cornerback who goes and makes the tackle. He's, he is... He's a guy I don't think I've ever seen Chris Harris Jr. miss a tackle. And so that sort of understanding that Champ Bailey sort of imparted some some wisdom to Chris Harris Jr. And Chris Harris Jr. plays in a way that is um, is, is really reminiscent of what Champ Bailey did on the field it is a huge is a huge compliment to to Champ Bailey that Chris Harris Jr. has sort of been able to carry that on. But is also let's like you look at that and you go, that's a cornerback that that tackled. He, yes, he was he was great in coverage, interceptions, uh, all of that stuff. He didn't miss a tackle. I, I cannot remember him ever missing a tackle. And to me, that's what made him so special because I think he is the best tackling cornerback perhaps in the history of the National Football League because I, I think he knew what was said about Deion Sanders and he didn't want that to be on him. And it just, he played a complete game. And he, it, it really, it was really special to watch him do what he did. Because he did, he made it look so easy. And that's what the greats do. 
the great ones make it look easy. And at, and at times we take it for granted. And I think that's what's happened with Steve Atwater to an extent. And we'll get more into that later because this is the double bacon, double Bronco edition. It's a celebratory. Yeah, it's a celebration. You know, it's a celebration. So, you know, and it's interesting. I, I, I think back to when the trade happened for Champ Bailey. And, and this is one of those things where um, I was – I, I will admit to uh, having been skeptical. I, I really liked Clinton Portis. I was a big fan of the way that he ran the football. Um, uh, you know, and one of the greatest performances by a running back in the history of the NFL was Clinton Portis against the Chiefs in a game where he rushed for, I think it was, what was it, 212 yards or 225 yards? I don't remember the yardage, but it was like five touchdowns or something. I, I mean, just an insane game, right? And then you, you're going to take a guy with that kind of talent and you're going to trade him away for a cornerback. Now, I remember thinking to myself, um, are we sure about this? Is this really, is this going to work out? And it didn't take long for Champ Bailey to arrive in Denver and prove that, that this was the right trade. This was the right move. It worked out perfectly. But I do remember being somewhat skeptical, somewhat uh, reserved in my excitement because I wasn't sure that I was actually excited about it. And, and of course, now looking back on it, admittedly, I go, well, that was dumb. <laughs> we, we won that trade, right? What's the defining play of Champ Bailey's career? Is it the uh, interception return against, oh, man, that's a tough one. It's got to be the return against Brady, right? I Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I mean, that's... that's- that's the Christian Okoye hit for exactly. Champaign. Yeah, everyone knows that interception. I was trying to think of something different because I thought it was. I felt like that was too obvious. But that's. I mean, you if you if you pick off Tom Brady, and you take it to the house, that's a pretty big deal. In a playoff game, and and, it, and it's it's after the regular season. That's a pretty big deal. And it was, a, it was a huge moment for Champ Bailey. It was a huge moment for the Denver Broncos. And it, and it just sort of all coincides, right? And that's one of those things that when you're – I think you're right because when you're a Hall of Fame player, you need that – sometimes you need that play. You need that moment that people can look at and go, there's the moment, right? John, What's John Elway's moment? He's got a couple of them. He's got the drive and he's got the helicopter. The drive two. The drive two. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have started that list because that's a long – that's a huge list, right? Yeah, yeah. You you go down that rabbit hole. We'll be talking for ages. We'll be, we'll be here until tomorrow, that's for sure. So yeah, I, I you know I digress, but I think there is. You can ask any true fan of the Broncos that question, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, it's got to be that interception, right?" And, and it definitely is. And I'm I'm glad to see that it worked out for him. And I think you're right that it was good that they didn't have to pick and that they took two cornerbacks and they went with Champ Bailey and Ty Law. Just split the difference and take them both. And that was, if, if for those who weren't paying attention throughout the course of the day on what was going inside, what was going on inside the room with the 48 members of the selection committee, there was a serious debate going on on whether or not it should be Champ Bailey or Ty Law. And I'm... I'm just I'm I'm glad I'm I'm over the moon that Champ Bailey is in and they they didn't do what I thought they were potentially going to do and I it, and now it's going to be for the first time in the history of the Broncos 
a Broncos Canton. Yeah, it'll be it'll be huge, and I, I imagine there will be several fans there because it sounds like, and this is the other thing that's kind of an interesting news. It sounds like the Broncos might be playing in the Hall of Fame game. I think it's all but assured of that. So there you go. So now you have now you have a lot to do. You go watch the game. You go to the go to the induction ceremony. You know, you watch the speeches. Um, it'll it'll be a fun. That'll be a fun little little trip for a lot of people. And I know that that would be something that might be a, a nice thing to try and and make happen if possible. Are you hinting at something? I might be. I might be. I might be hinting at something. I may be sort of mentioning it on purpose as a as a thing that we might need to to try and and put together. We could do like a a meetup podcast or something in Canton. We could or we could do like a, a road trip podcast where we meet up cuz you know you're out in Colorado and I'm in Illinois. I, I don't know if you know this but if you were to drive to Ohio, it's kind of you'd go you you might go through Illinois. We might be able to do a little road trip podcast thing. Just it's just a thought. Just I'm just throwing it out there. That's a lot of driving. I think it might be easier if I fly into Chicago and then we drive from Chicago to Canton. Well, that's fine. Yeah, we could we could totally do that. There's there's a couple of airports around here you could fly into. Yeah, Chicago's a pretty big city. I don't know. They probably there's have two airports. They might have an airport or two that you could fly. I think there's actually a third one up in Rockford if you if you want to go to Rockford. You don't no, I'll probably just fly into Midway. <laughs> you don't want to go to Rockford. Just Midway's fine. Midway's or O'Hare. Fine. Or O'Hare. Yeah. I, I would rather fly into Rockford than O'Hare. That place is terrible. Just awful airport. Anyway, here we are making plans. Well, that's because it's so special. And it, it still doesn't feel real because it's never happened before. So it, it you're not really sure how to grasp it or think about it because it's never happened before. Right. What and are we supposed to talk about? We're supposed to talk about how they screwed over the Broncos. Right. Because that's what the Hall of Fame selection committee does. So t- for them to nominate two in the same class, I'm almost thinking we should either go pick up a lottery ticket or go to Vegas or prepare for hell to freeze over. Well, I think didn't hell freeze over in 1997? I guess technically it was 98, but when the Broncos won their first Super Bowl, that's when hell froze over. So – uh, it's already frozen, but we could go down there and ice skate if you want. I, I mean, that's certainly something we could try. Some would argue that it's already freezing over in the Midwest. Uh, it's it's uh, it actually warmed up here today. It was it it was so warm here that the snow kind of shrunk a little bit. But it's, there's still snow on the ground. Don't worry, it's it's still cold. It it is it's I think it's supposed to rain tomorrow for the Super Bowl. I can't wait to watch the Super Bowl and have it be rainy outside. Um, the interesting thing here about all of this is, or, or I guess maybe the question I have, and it's, maybe it's not the interesting thing, but the question I have is we know that the players get to pick who, who introduces them, right? Who's going to, to be the person who stands up and says, and this is, you know, so-and-so. What are they going to do for Pat Bowlen? I think that's something that I, you know I'm very curious about because there's really no way that that Pat is going to be able to stand up and and give a speech. Obviously, he's not there to be able to do that. I don't even know that he'll be able to make the trip to Canton. I'd like to think that they'll they'll figure something out with that. 
So how do you think they're going to handle his uh, his portion of the ceremony? Will there be um, an introduction? Will someone give a speech for him? Who do you think that will be? That will be the interesting thing that happens over the course of this because obviously it'll be the family's decision. And I think the one thing that we need to clear up is there's often this discussion in the media that there's a squabble or a rift or a fight amongst the Bolin family. That's not the case at all. And I'm not giving any inside information here. If you watch the videos from Broncos TV where they interview Beth Bolin-Wallace and Brittany Bolin, they're both asked about this. And Beth says, yeah, she was asked about it. She's like, it's interesting. It's portrayed that way in the media, but it's not the case at all. I think the, the, the fight here, and it'll just be brief, is between certain members of the family and the trust. It's not with other members of the family. And we can get into this on our next podcast on Tuesday because this is the double bacon, double Bronco edition. But I I think it'll be a member of the family. And whether it's Beth or it's Brittany, I think it'll be one of those two. I don't think it will be Johnny. (laughs) You don't think Johnny's going to show? You know what? I would expect Johnny to, to plop it out there and expect it to perform. In the meantime, I think what we should do is why don't you and I uh, allow this ad to plop it out there and expect it to perform? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Johnny will show up, and then we'll we'll be uh, we'll be right back. Okay, the, I, I, the ad that ad was great. I, it was I, it was perfect. It was it there wasn't away. a better ad. I've never never heard a better ad in my life. It was it was incredible, unbelievable. So we were uh, just discussing who was going to give the speech, and you you were saying you don't think Johnny's going to be uh, a part of the speaking at the uh, the uh, you know at the ceremony, which is probably I don't a think good it's thing. just going to be the speaking. I don't even think he's going to be available <laughs> to make the trip. He's going to be busy. He's you know, and that's okay. We we joke, we laugh. That's actually it's kind of it's kind of a bummer because it is a huge moment for the Bolin family and and for Broncos country. What I think is interesting, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to move away from Johnny and the Bullens a little bit. What I think is interesting is is how much uh, the fans actually care about something like this. Um, I, I don't imagine that most fans care as much about the ownership of the franchise. There's maybe a few uh, franchises that are similar. You know, Pittsburgh, obviously, with the you know with with their ownership that has been around since you know the, the Roonies have been around for forever in the NFL. Um, I, I think that the Patriots, with the Crafts, I think have some some sort of you know affection for Bob Kraft. Obviously, um, I don't know. Can you think of another organization whose fan base is as I want. I don't want to say you know who is as concerned with or cares as much about their ownership group as the Broncos and and maybe the Steelers and the you know and and the and the Patriots. I, I I don't I don't think there is because I don't think there has been an owner like Pat Bowen. 
who, yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think currently about what's going on, as, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, one of the things that has stuck out to me in talking to people who know Pat Bolin, and it's not just talking to them, but it's also basically everyone else who ever played for him or worked for him, is how much they respected and loved the man. And I, I, and I think that's one of the reasons this fan base is so passionate about the ownership is because they had somebody who genuinely cared about them. Because Pat Bolin, whatever decision he made, and Joe Ellis told this to me when I interviewed him about my story for Pat Bolin in 2017, he said any decision Pat Bolin made for this organization, he asked the fans, what will the fans think about this? Will they accept it? And that's one of the reasons fans of this franchise are so passionate about the ownership is because the ownership actually cares about the fans. It's not just PR speak. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a way to make money. It's legitimate. It's real. It's honest. And one of the reasons the fans are so passionate about it and so opinionated about it and want to know what's going on is because they've seen the pinnacle and they don't want to lose that. They don't want to see a Jerry Jones. They yeah. want to see a Pat Bowen. Exactly. You know, it's interesting you bring up Jerry Jones. I, I specifically did not mention Jerry in my list of, of owners who – the fan base really cares about because I actually feel like Jerry Jones is one of those owners that most of the fan base probably does not like because Jerry Jones is is involved with his franchise in ways that actually uh, seem to hurt the franchise. Right, the, the 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 way that he's meddled with the coaches and the and the 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 fact that he's the guy who puts everything together. He's clearly the problem a lot of the time in Dallas, and that's not something you can really say about Pat Bowen. Uh, there's there's never been a, a moment in in the history of his ownership where you could look at it and say you know Pat Bolin was a problem, right? Pat Bolin was a, a, was an issue here for this team. Never, he never was. Uh, in fact, he was the the one who insisted on building a franchise that was a winner at all times. Pat Bolin is where we get um, this idea of. We should be able to win every year, Super Bowl or bust every year. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's why the fans believe in something like that, right? This isn't Cleveland. That's the whole point, and that's that's a big part of what makes Pat Bolin the owner that he was, uh, and and the great owner that he is, and the reason he's a Hall of Famer. It just. It, it means the world to this fan base to see a guy like Pat Bowen get that recognition. And that there, there are some who will say that it sucks that he won't be able to, to accept it and, and be there and, and soak it all in. I, I think part of him will know this. I, I, I just, I think it's such a powerful thing and a powerful accomplishment that I think he will know. 
And that's, that's what's so impactful about all of this is that it, it, it is about him and it's, he never wanted it to be about him. And for him to go in with somebody like Champ Bailey, who he genuinely, genuinely cared about, for them to go in together, it's it, it's special. I mean, yeah, it would have been awesome for the Smiling Assassin to go in with them, but I, I think his time is coming, and we'll get into that in our next podcast. But I, and Steve would be the first to say that he he's happiest that Pat Bowen got it. Absolutely, and and I think that that's that's a a, a good place for us to maybe um, maybe say congratulations to Champ Bailey and, and Pat Boland and and to Broncos country and and everybody involved. It's, it's a it's a it's a big day for for the entire organization and for all of the fans out there, and especially for uh, a Champ and and, and Mister B. And, and there's there's not much more we can say other than. Uh, just how excited we are that it finally happened for Mr. B and it looks like things have, have, have sort of turned a tide because we get two Broncos this year and, and that's something we can be excited about. And I think the other thing we can say is thank you to both Champ and to Mr. B because they're what the Broncos are all about. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.